Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Out of the 14 occurrences since October 7th to today, 12 have been related to anti-Semitism. Two have been related to anti-Muslim, anti-Islamic events. This reflects an escalation in hate-motivated incidents and also heightened public tensions. Verified incidents of hate crimes, including mischief, uttering death threats, and criminal harassment are on the rise. That is uh, Chief Jem Q making uh, clear there will be no tolerance for hate, which has um, increased across the board, certainly for uh, Jews as well as Muslim com- communities you know, caught in the middle of everything that's going on. And certainly we're going to see more security. It's going to be here f- for some time. I don't see an end point to extra security, but we don't have enough resources. So, you know, with these things getting bigger and probably more volatile, with the war likely starting, it's at any moment now, they got the green light. But when you see the images of some of these protests, and I was looking at one from, I think, Tuesday or Wednesday, you've got these massive crowds and people in that crowd circling each other and making sure that the cops can't get in. I don't know whether they were, like, linking arms and putting their bikes in front of them. Um, I, I, I don't know how the cops would have dealt with anything. Because they're way outnumbered. So what could go wrong? Uh, I think a lot. Let's ask Ron Chisner, former Toronto police officer with uh, also Peel Regional Police. And um, you worked a lot with youth crime and gang prevention um, as well. Good to have you. Uh, good to have you, Alex. And thanks for having me on again. What are you seeing in these crowds that concerns you? Because I've talked to a couple of, uh, of, of police uh, off the record or just kind of just through chatter. And, and, and there is concern, mainly that they don't have enough resources. Uh, you know, resources are always a concern. It's been a concern of policing since back in 2010. I mean, there were some big cuts coming around 2013. Those were accelerated. So resources are depleted everywhere. That's every police service in Ontario. And you have crowds like this and you have world events like this. It reheightens the importance and the necessity of establishing public safety, uh, especially for things like this, where we don't know where this is going to end up. Let me just stop you. Yeah. Hold on. Let me just stop you because we're getting a little bit of interference. So I don't know if maybe you can... Uh, put a fork up in the air and maybe some pipe cleaner or get to a window point where just uh, you're cracking up on us. So I just wanted to make oh, sure. Yeah, no, can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you now. I got you now. Okay, yeah. so you were saying in G20, so I've got a good perspective because I was also there. So go ahead, pick that up. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was in the G20. And generally, when you have large crowds, you know, policing relies on a few things comes down to these big events. The first thing we really rely on is intelligence gathering. We want to know, you know what information about the protests you know, who's involved, if there's anything involved in that. And that intelligence isn't necessarily shared to the public. Uh, after that, once you gather that intelligence, you want to develop a risk assessment to say, well, based on the information we know and what we can gather, what are the outcomes potentially going to be? Who are going to be problematic people there? And who's going to be supporters? And that's where community outreach comes into play. Generally, with protests, you want to have a liaison, somebody to be able to speak to. All these protests have somebody who's kind of in charge and organizing Believe it or not, most of these people are very cooperative with police. They are, will be the point of contact for liaisons back and forth, and they want to make sure that this protest goes uh, without issue. And then there's uh, permits, legal resist, uh, sorry, legal considerations. Uh, and then on the resource end, which is what you hit up there, 
you know, resourcing for massives like this requires a lot of police officer training, which Toronto police give them a lot of credit. We were overtrained over there as best as possible. They experience large crowd situations. This is nothing new to the city. It's just the circumstances are a little bit different. So with all of that, you have strategic planning. They continue to monitor and do surveillance. You'll have cameras everywhere. And for facing people, you'll see police officers in uniform, which is exactly what you want to see. But get confused. There's more people that you don't see. Mm-hmm. And that's the other part of policing as well. You can see officers in a uniform, but there'll be eyes in the sky. There'll be, uh, you know, plainclothes officers in and around the area because they want to be able to see things without being seen. Uh, and that, that really heightens public safety as well. Identify potential problems in the crowd, which comes to the big element, crowd control. How do you control a big crowd like this? Most of these protests, they have a designated route as part of their permits. You know, they have the liaison that speaks with police officers or city staff and say, this is our intention. This is what we want to do. Here's the times. Uh, and then we try to deal with things as they come. Now, the role of police in large gathering and protests is to keep the peace. That's all it is. People have a legal right to protest. The police officers are there to ensure that everything goes as smooth as possible. And then if it bends over to any level of criminality, well, they'll deal with it just like any other crime that's happening in the city. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line is um, we don't have enough resources, whether it's courts, police or anything, to actually uh, do much to stop anything other than the violence and that. But the, they don't have enough resources to go through and, and charge people with hate crimes, language and that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't suspect that will stop. But this is going to go on for a while. And, um, and so they'll collect, I, I would imagine, the intel of those who are kind of always there, not the hangers-on but they should be able to get a quick check. What would be your biggest concern from the crowds you're seeing right now that you feel needs to be brought in? Obviously opposition, right? In any crowd. I mean, we're living in a world now where, you know, if I put up a post the other day saying, you know, if I like apples, it doesn't mean I hate oranges. And that's the indicative of something larger. The big thing here is, look, we're seeing different perspectives in here. You're going to have one element of a pro protest. You're going to have the opposite element of it. And it seems that that emotional clash there with, you know, there's real world consequences. What we're seeing today is we're seeing actual footage from a war zone. And I don't think people really understood what happened in a war zone, whether they're thinking this is the first time this has happened. Well, this has happened for decades. Yeah. It's just we have the availability to be able to see this on our cell phone and then share it with our friends and our family and people that we care about. These emotions, only people who haven't been in these positions before, they'll drive emotions as their justifier for their behavior. We don't want anybody to get hurt. We don't want anybody to, to be hurt. And then additionally, on top of the physical obvious stuff, <clears throat> we also don't want anybody to be able to incite any hate speech to draw some bigger sort of movements from a crowd. I mean, you know, crowds will move in herds. They're proven to be more riskier when you're in a group of people. But we have to be monitoring and mindful of, is anybody saying anything that would fall within the guise of hate right. speech? I mean, right. hate speech has to be very specific, very pointed, and it has to have a direct action involved to it. So it's very difficult to prove. Big uh, challenges, no question about it. Appreciate some of the insight. No problem, Alex, and thanks for having me. There you go. That's Ron Chisner. So, yeah, they got a, a lot going. Um, and certainly I think those conversations probably going on with uh, municipal uh, leaders as to, you know, are they going to get more resources? Because, again, these protests won't end. Certainly not quickly. Maybe they'll get tired in a year, but uh, for the first few, few weeks, I think certainly in the next couple of months.